you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. I want to give honor tonight. Before I take a a scripture, I'll be in Philippians chapter 4, but I want to give honor to my pastor. I don't know about you. I know a lot about a lot of different churches and what happens behind the scenes and all that, but we are truly blessed with the best leadership that I've ever seen. I thank God for my pastor. He's hinted at it, and he's told us everything that's been going on in about the last 60 to 90 days. That much stuff would have given me a nervous breakdown, and he's just energized. I am so thankful. I'm glad I don't have to mess with that. Pastor, I thank you. I thank you for your leadership, and I thank you always for the opportunity to come and and to minister. Amen? Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Aren't we thankful for our hyphen tonight? Amen. I bet they're anxious to see what's going on. They're going to have a lot of fun and uh, also grow together in God. And I'm excited about that. It's a ministry I get to see flourish and give my two cents from time to time. But God's going to do great things in that group. And I'm excited about it. Amen. Amen. I'm I'm thankful for what God's doing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. If you'd put your Bibles down tonight. I'm more of a teacher than a preacher sometimes, and I'm thankful for Wednesday nights where I can share more of my heart and what I feel God has for us. And it's a simple title, and I promise we're not going to leave each other in the dumps. But the title is simply Distracted. Distracted. If you would, help me pray that God would have his way in me and in this church tonight. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us. God, I truly stand before you, Lord, just a simple man, God. Not worthy of you, but so thankful that you would use me and use us in this place tonight, Jesus. I pray you'd have your way in us, God. Lord, touch me. 
Let me speak with clarity, Lord, and anointing and authority, God. Have your way in this place, we pray. Touch our hearts and our minds for, for what you would have for us tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. The church said amen. You may be seated. Distracted. What we just read was a portion of Scripture that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. And it was that church that Paul was in prison, and that church decided to send Paul a care package. And so as they sent it, there was a man that got to deliver it, and he fell ill and, and stayed there for a little bit, and Paul decided to write a letter. What makes Philippians so different than the rest is he doesn't have a lot of rebuke. He doesn't have a lot of uh, you know, discouragement or you need to do this, get it fixed, get it together, but just so much encouragement. It wasn't about scolding or anything else, but it was with love. And in this letter of love that he wrote, this epistle, he writes in chapter 4 all about thinking on good things. And so as we go through our life, I hope tonight, if I get to any point, and I'm never a long preacher, that we can get to a bottom line where we think on these things. I don't know about you, but I felt myself absolutely overcome with what I was supposed to do tonight. Is that okay? Can I share a little bit of my life? Y'all all right? You can smile with me. It makes me feel better. But in this, I want you to know I knew that I was going to be preaching or, or, or speaking tonight for a few weeks. And so whenever I know that far in advance, I try my best to search God out early. And so I read all four Gospels. And now some of it is listened to because at work, I have a lot of difficult people. We have a, a job we're on where there is an absolute overwhelming amount of electricians. And you get stuck with one, and they're your tool buddy, and they're your teammate. And, and so you don't get much time to yourself. But through this last few weeks, I found myself putting him up on another floor to where we could pass wire to each other like you're supposed to do as electricians. And, and I would keep the word of God as best as I could, trying to find out, Lord, what would you have for tonight? And I listened to two books on how to be a shepherd because I've got a message that's a year old on being a shepherd or being a sheep. And that one still didn't feel right. And I, I listened and I read a book on wisdom and another one on church work and, and growth. And I read all these things and I tried my best. Lord, what would you have? It got down to where even last night I never felt at peace about what I was doing. And as I was bringing notes from a few sermons together saying, Lord, how's this all going to work? I would get phone call after phone call, text after text. I never got left alone. I think somebody came and knocked at my door at one point. And then I thought, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. I'm distracted. Distraction comes in so many ways. Let's think about it for a minute. We have been about a month since we fasted. It's been about that long since we've had corporate prayer. We might have had some prayer room prayers, and there's been some of those moments, but we have been a few days away, and it feels as though we're living off the remnants of a past time with God. And it's not that God's not blessing and not moving, but I don't ever want to get so distracted in my own life day by day, week by week, that I get to where I no longer know what it's like to commune with him day by day. It's not that I don't pray, you need to hear me tonight. It's not that I don't have a walk with him and all those things, but it, there's so many times where all day long I'll feel as though I'm absolutely distracted. So I, I, if, if you'll give me a moment to kind of talk about it, I might go back and forth a little bit. But I do want to talk about 
my new job. I, I got a job about two months ago. Now, I've had a job, and I could have stayed where I was, and there were some things that were happening, and I decided, you know, this isn't anything that I'm, I feel, and I've, I even fleeced the Lord a little bit. I, I walked this altar late at night saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? And, and my ultimate desire was, Lord, if I'm to stay, I've got to touch these people. They need to make a change in their life. But if I can't change them, Lord, then move me. And I felt led to move. And there was some more things tied to it, but that was my prayer. If I can't be effective where I'm at, I don't want to be there. If I can't learn something, if there can't be that moment of, of, of an ability to go deeper in, in God or to reach some lost person, whatever the case might be, I don't want to be there. And so I made a change. I went from being in supervisory roles and a beautiful office and all these great things, sitting around and eating ho-hos, whatever time I wanted. Hello? 40 is next year. I know i got to watch myself once you hit 40, but when I'm 39, I'm going to have a ho-ho if I want a ho-ho or a Twinkie, bless the Lord. I have what I want, and I know it's not right, and I'm working on it. God's dealing with me. But I went from that comfort to negative eight. Y'all ever make a jump like that because you felt God tell you to? That's called, I don't know, dumb faith. But I would have to show up every day. It was dark out. It was cold. It was in a place I wasn't familiar with, with guys that didn't know me. And, and, and the construction world really is, man, these are some hardened people. They're just not friendly. And I'm the type of guy, it's like, my goal is to be friends with you. I don't even want you to know why I'm smiling every day. Just expect it. And so I'll walk around and smile. I'm the one guy that will walk past you and say, hey, how are we doing? And it catches so many of them off guard. I mean, some will just sit there and they'll stop you and talk. And, and then others, <laughs> you get this grunt and they just keep on with their lives. But my goal is I want people to recognize me. There's something different about him. And, and even in this desire to be not only recognized but to be used of God, I can find myself so distracted. We have long days right now, 10-hour days, and the guy I'm with, today I made a comment to him. I said, hey, bro, let's do lunch in different places. And he was like, what, you don't like me? I said, no, I've got to teach a class tonight. I didn't want to go too deep in what I was doing, but I just wanted him to give a little space. I needed time to think. We weren't getting home till late, and, and all this stuff was happening. I said, I just need some space. And, and so then after lunch, he said, what's the matter? You don't think I'd give you space if we were sitting next to each other? I said, no, I'd probably be distracted. I probably just, I wouldn't be able to focus. You'd begin to ask questions. No, I wouldn't. What are you preaching about? Well, there we go, don't we? And so I used an opportunity, even today, when I feel the most distracted with life and I feel like so much is trying to press at my time and my ability to focus on what God would have. Because really the Christian walk is a deep walk. You not only have to pray about the right things and have a prayer life, you've, you've got to have some sort of a fast life and hopefully on some sort of a schedule to where you can walk away from a plate to draw closer to him. And it's in all these things where we have to decide, you know, how are we going to grow closer with God? And, and, and if, if that's not enough, then what is? And so I have to make a point every day to give myself some way, shape, or form, even the thoughts that this guy has or, or who I'm working with, whatever the case might be, I have to give myself to that conversation. Not in a bad way, but, but I'll engage him. And so he began to ask, well, what are you preaching on? I said, wisdom. He said, well, what about wisdom? Because if, if I'm going to be distracted, there's a part in here. We'll get to it. I wasn't lying. But as I began to look at it, I would begin to ask, or he would begin to ask questions about it. And he would say, well, wisdom, what about wisdom? 
And by this time, he's in about a half dozen questions. It's been five minutes. It's after lunch. Thank God. I've, I've had a moment to, to be by myself. And so as we begin to talk even further, he begins to ask, well, what about wisdom? I said, well, I said, I'm going to kind of talk about things where, you know, maybe your phone's a little bit too much and maybe this and that and the other. And, and I got done kind of explaining it, but I knew he wasn't going to go deep. You know how people are when they're, they're not into you, but they want to give suggestions. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, don't say that. And I thought, you still are a distraction, you little booger. But God's going to do a work in his life. This afternoon was the first breakthrough I had in six weeks with a guy that I work with every day. You ever been around those people where they'll cut you off in conversation? They're really not interested in what you're saying, and sometimes you feel so silenced and so without a voice that truly you're just trying to make it to five. You just find yourself just trying to get where you can have some space because no one's listening. But if you'll just be persistent, if you'll just think on these things, put that scripture back up there if you wouldn't mind, especially the part where it talks about if there be any virtue, if there be any good, if there be any of this truth, think on these things. It's got to be pure. It's got to be a virtue and of good report. And so in your life, I, I feel like there has to be that reminder. This isn't a deep thought tonight, but I hope to remind some of us, we have to think on these things. I can't make it through my day without, you would not believe, I could have counted the cuss words after he found out I was speaking tonight. I would have easily topped 100. I've never heard so much cussing in my life. And again, phone calls and, and, and bosses coming by and everything seemed more distracting than ever trying to make sure that I didn't have a clean thought tonight. God is desiring for us to be able to think clearly. The Bible talks about a sound mind and a, you know, to, to have that content or countenance to you to be able to simply have a clear thought because God's not about chaos. That's the devil. God's okay with order and he, he prefers order and he prefers us to take time and to make schedule and to plan and to have a balance in our life. And, and truthfully, the, the, the devil's more into the chaos. He's more into the distractions and, and what would be. And, and, and if I was to give you even a scenario of what a day might look like, what distraction might look like, in our home from time to time, it's the fact that maybe you don't wake up on time. One kid's sick and the next one won't eat breakfast. You've done everything you can to get them dressed and out the door, and you're on your way, and you get there, and all of a sudden the kid that wouldn't eat is the hungriest they've ever been in their life. The one that was sick is all thrown up, and now you're, sure, you're not sure what to do with them. Do we still go to school? Are we all quarantined? Where's it, where's it at? And you find yourself, I've forgotten to brush my teeth. My hair don't look right, and I'm, I'm a bit of a mess, and everything's wrong, and you get to, to, to school or, or to work, and you find yourself just torn apart, things aren't together, and you find yourself unable to be of use to the kingdom of God. But I'm here to hopefully remind you, your job is to occupy until he comes. Not your purpose, but your literal job is just that. It's to keep us occupied. Our purpose is to win the lost. But I've got to make sure I go to my job, but then I fulfill my purpose. That's why every day I have to make sure I'm, I'm leaving room for, for my boss to get close to me. I'm leaving room for, for my uh, apprentice to get close to me. I'm leaving room for my coworkers, the ones that are, you know, journeymen or whatever. I'm leaving room for somebody to connect with me. And it has to happen through a pure and virtuous mind and a good thought. Otherwise, there is no point. I can't get caught in their dirty jokes. 
I can't get caught on their low living and lifestyle. If you didn't realize the electrical trade, as much as I love it and the ability to do what we do, it is an absolute, it, it is the worst gossip that I've ever heard in my life. Every day I get to hear if we're downsizing, upsizing, if we're going to be done tomorrow or in a month. It's every day, all of it. It's like, why do you guys spend so much time worrying about something you can't control? And for me, I just have to keep my mindset on what matters most. And that is my relationship with God. Life's a whirlwind. If you can't step outside of it, all that chaos, and recognize it for what it is, you'll never be able to overcome what life is all about. I mentioned it a minute ago, the awakening ended 17 days ago, and sometimes it feels like yesterday and yet a lifetime ago. It's been four weeks since we fasted or considered it. So quickly, we've found ourselves praying for not only each other and the prayer list, but for things like Ukraine and gas prices and healing the sick or needing a job or asking God to, to do a work in this, that, or the other. And so quickly, we forget what we're all about. It's not that we don't pray for those things, but we still never really fixed COVID, did we? Maybe it's went away, maybe it's here, but all of us have kind of just gotten used to it, and we've refocused, and we've had a move of God. It was 10 days ago about where we literally had people seeing visions in this altar of what God was going to do. It was just a few weeks ago where over 10 people got the Holy Ghost. We've had several souls get baptized, and I'm not ready for God to close that door to what he's doing in this church. And if he'll ever leave it open, it comes down to me having to have communion with him. That's why it has to be more than just once a year. I've got to get myself to where I live a perpetual lifestyle with him, communing, making sure I've got myself consecrated and set apart. Amen? Paul said it best in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. When tomorrow issues come up, then tomorrow needs time spent in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why? Because that's the only way to get to the peace of God. I have to make sure it's that peace which passes all understanding. It'll keep your heart and your mind, the Bible says. Distractions, however, allow chaos, which in turn uh, makes your home upside down, and it makes you feel like nothing's ever going to work, and you never have enough money for the gas, and, and things will just be in, in complete disarray, and you'll be back to borrowing, and life will never be good again. But if you'll spend your time with God, if we stay in the Word of God and, and keep our mindset in Him, then God can do something great through us. Amen? You ever wonder what caused all these distractions? There are so many times I want to go back to why in the world are we so distracted and it's okay. And so I try to go back as far as I can and find the first time somebody was distracted. It happened to be Eve. And the snake began to crawl up and around the tree or whatever it happened to do. And as it began to talk to Eve, for some reason, she gave ear to this snake. And, and if you look at the Bible, it, it really has been twisted. Like the, the words from Adam or from God to Adam and from Adam to Eve, things had gotten twisted around. And I, I really fascinate myself with those words because God told Adam, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But then Adam told Eve, don't eat or don't look. Don't touch. You can't touch a tree. Well, that's not what God said. He said, don't eat of it. 
Touch had nothing to do with it, but eat had everything. And so when the serpent began to go around the tree, it began to tell Eve, well, I'm touching it. And I'm not dead. There's nothing that's happened to me. And so it allows things to go further than what they ever were supposed to be. Do you know what Eve was drawn to in those moments? Knowledge. Everything we go through was because of a thirst and a desire for knowledge. The devil all up in a serpent got to tell Eve, you'll know what he knows and you'll be like God. You're going to know everything. And it was that knowledge, that desire for knowledge that drew her to the tree. I think it's amazing when I look at our lives, what we look for when we look for knowledge. Most of us turn to a phone. And it's all with the company that happens to have an apple with a bite out of it. It's funny that they're called smart, but it really makes us dumb. It's funny that these little things, they don't hold wisdom, but they hold knowledge. You can find out more than you ever want to know about anything. But it's never wisdom because that's what truly, that, that's what we should be desiring is not knowledge, but wisdom. This is a problem in our lives. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people say, yeah, this is a young person's problem. I have sat around for the past six weeks, 70 electricians, every break, every lunch, this is what comes out. You hear a million TikTok videos, you hear the same dumb songs, you hear so much trash that comes out of these and people chuckle, hey, look at this, look at that, and all of it's perverted. It's just a mess because people are just trying to fill themselves with more knowledge. It's amazing, isn't it? And yet we don't turn away from it. They say in your phone, do you realize you read a novel's worth of words on social media a day? The average person reads a novel worth of words. What's the last thing you read on social media that was worth reading? Sometimes they'll quote scripture. Sometimes they'll have a great quote from a preacher. I love, I've seen it posted everywhere where Joel Urshan said, I trust God can help me more than I trust that you can hurt me. I've lived by that. Six weeks in a place I, I never thought I'd be, I have lived by those words. God's going to help me more than you can hurt me. But that was grounded in the word of God. That wasn't grounded in an apple. It wasn't grounded in a place where we're trying to seek out knowledge. It, it, it matters what we're putting into ourselves. This is where distractions come from. That's why when we fast a phone and social media, it really is okay sometimes. We're weird in our family. We have grandparents that love our grandchildren to death. They buy them everything you would ever. I'm telling you, when I was a kid and we got a bicycle, you would have thought that we were millionaires. <laughs> I had a bike before we had bicycles, before that Christmas. I'll never forget it. There was a blanket over the bicycles, and uh, we, we showed up and we're acting all surprised. Oh, what's that? You can tell what handlebars are, and you can imagine, because my old bike was my brother's hand-me-down. And I got grounded for two weeks because I was riding in the street, and we had a street that wasn't busy at all. But if a car came and you didn't get out of the way, you were in trouble. Well, my handlebars would never, the wheels would just stay. And the bar, you know, I'd turn it, and we're just staying there. So I got grounded for two weeks because this thing wouldn't get out of the road. There was no get out of it. you just fall over. Help. <laughs> so it's all you had left. <laughs> Dear Lord, don't let me get ran over. And, and so it's like, get that thing in the, in the shed. you got two weeks. You're not going to ride it. It's like, okay. And then Christmas came, thank the Lord, here comes a new bike. Life was better. So much had happened, I was so excited about that. But it's amazing when I think of nowadays, 
when we want to give our kids something. It typically has to do with technology. Y'all okay? I'm not trying to go somewhere, somewhere upsetting, but I, I want you to hear me. I've read a lot of books on this where I, I have to know what my kids are into. I have to know even in what's, my, what's in my home. What am I allowing into my life? Facebook's about the only thing I really keep myself on from time to time, and I try to promote our church or I'll say happy birthday to people or whatever the case might be. But my goal is to just stay as, as clear from the trash of what's online. And in, in, in likewise, I make sure because my kids and I have an agreement, if I stay clear of that stuff, they have to. Or if they have to, then I have to. And so grandparents might not understand. I've taken uh, iPads away and tablets, and I've taken Nintendos away, and we've set everything on the fridge. On top of our fridge is worth some money. It's where, it's where all the valuable electronics sit for weeks on end. And, and we got to a place where we would go out to eat, and my, my kids weren't distracted. A lot of people, they compliment our children, and we're very grateful, and we feel honored when they do because they're not, they're not just screaming at everything or fighting over tablets because they typically actually use those little papers they hand out to kids with crayons. And they eat those little sticky gummy things, and they sit in color, and they play tic-tac-toe or those little game with the dots, and they try to keep themselves occupied without really having to be so entrapped in a game that, that nobody can talk to them, and, and they feel just completely in another world. And so it's in this where I found out that my goal is to make sure that even my kids aren't distracted by this world. Might not make sense to everybody, but I've watched my children come out of a, a place where it's so uh, occupied with things of, of, of electronics that they have no mind of their own. It's like they don't know what to do with crayons. We were there, but we decided we're going to take this out and try to remove some distractions. And you know what we found? We found ourselves in a restaurant having a family discussion. And trying to get ourselves where we were just living better as a family. It's just teaching, isn't it? It's not very deep. I don't have scripture where it says take iPads away. Couldn't find it. But there's something to be said about being distracted. It's okay if we set this stuff aside. Uh, I heard a preacher say, you know, don't ever fast something that should be permanent. And if there's something I'm to take out of my life, even for a season, well, maybe it doesn't belong there at all. Maybe there are things because I don't want to get into the summer and wonder what happened to spring. What happened to this time? Why do I feel junky like I did last year before I gave myself to God again? Before I got myself in a place of, of, of consecration again? Why do I feel this way? Because that's my whole life can't be distracted. If you haven't watched the news, I'm telling you, this is a time where I can't be distracted on him. My life has to be focused on him. You know who is never distracted in everything I've ever read? It's amazing God allowed me to read all this stuff and listen to all of it and try to absorb as much as I could. But I go back to those Gospels. Man, that stuff got me this time. I began to listen, and, and Jesus would say the same thing over and over, and I would have to research it because it perplexed me. Every time he'd have a healing, he would tell that person, tell no one. Are you kidding? Why? Why would you say that? Tell everybody. We could really get a crowd. But he said, tell no one, and he'd send them out. Could you imagine being a blind person, blind from birth? You now see, and you're told, tell no one. Explain that one. Am I supposed to just close my eyes and walk around blind? Where, where do I go where I don't tell people I can see? My life's different. I can see. Look at me. Look. 
and to go out and be told from the master of all, tell no one because he wasn't distracted by his own miracles. He understood I have purpose. It's not that he forsook miracles. It's not that he didn't want to do them. Sometimes he even felt like he rebuked his mother. Why are you doing this? What, what have you to do with me? And in all that, he knew my goal is to be a sacrificial lamb. You see, if it wasn't for him being so laser-focused on what he had to do, I would never be where I am today. I know you all have heard this. It's the same old stuff, but I hope I can draw our attention back to Jesus for just a moment. What do you think mattered to him most? He didn't have a house. He probably had a good set of slippers, maybe. That's a lot of walking to not have good sandals. But all he cared about was that end goal. In fact, when the disciples came and said, we can't get rid of this demon, or the, the, the person came and said, my, my kid is perplexed and, and vexed with a demon, and your disciples prayed and nothing happened. And, and so Jesus prayed and the thing came out, and then he looks at his disciples and he begins to say, how long shall we go through this? How, how long are you not going to learn? You know what? Here's what blows my mind. Jesus began to describe that miracle of the demon being cast out. And he said, you know, you're going to have to pray and fast for these to come out. But then John's disciples asked Jesus, why aren't your men fasting? And he gives an excuse. They're going to fast here in a little while when I'm gone. So he gave them excuse to not fast. You don't have to fast right now. But then when you can't do what I'm doing, you need to understand why you can't because you didn't fast. Kind of messes with your mind. God might make excuses for us, but ultimately it might keep us from fulfilling the will that he would have for us. He's desiring that we would be close enough to him that he could use each and every one of you in a gift of his spirit. I'm talking about healing because you prayed. Deliverance because you prayed. Prophecy because you prayed. Tongues and interpretation because you have a prayer life. His desire is that all of us would be used in a gift of the spirit. That's what's given to us when you have the Holy Ghost. That's why it's so important you have the Holy Ghost. Don't try to act like you've got a gift without that Holy Ghost. That's not real. So I'm thankful God has, he was so laser focused that he had to make sure in everything he did, it was for that purpose. It was to make sure that one day we would have salvation. Without that, we wouldn't have anything. I want to ask the music to come. I told you I'm never a long, a long speaker. There's something that I felt tied everything together for me. When we went to Olive Garden in January or February, whenever the fast was over, so it had to be February, I think the first night of the awakening had happened, and I think we had that Monday and Tuesday off. I think we were at Olive Garden. And I decided that night, my wife and I, we were there with our kids, we decided our kids can have the Nintendo for the night. And on those tables, they have those Zios things. You know what I'm talking about, where they tell you to call your server and everything's by pushing buttons. And we let the kids play with those things. And we thought, well, it'll be a fun night. It won't be bad. They don't, they don't do it much. And, and we just allowed just a little bit of room because we're parents and we tried to, try to give in a little bit. You know what I mean? So when dinner was over, 
I noticed there were three packs of these, completely unopened. I picked them all up because it meant something to me. It wasn't a good thing, but I wanted a reminder. Because when I let little things in, there's scripture that talks about the little foxes. When I let little things in, when I don't think on the right things, when I allow so much of their lives to be occupied, then the family time is gone. Then the time where I can play tic-tac-toe with my kids or whatever the case might be, the time that I can read with them. So thankful yesterday my daughter's Bible came in. New King James Version, she was so excited. She's been bugging us for a month, and, and it came in, and it's beautiful. If you see her tonight, she's got it with her. But her and my wife now have a commitment. They're going to read the Bible in a year. And so last night, it's amazing. Last night, they sat at the table, and I was trying to just get away. I needed time to think and to study and to focus. And, and it was in that time where I began to just hear them, and I heard my daughter. Forgive me. I know I get emotional. Forgive me. But I began to hear my daughter just read the word of God. And I thought, Lord, uh, if I could ever just hold a moment in my hand, let me hold this one. I never want to be so distracted that my kids lose out on Jesus. I never want to be so distracted that my coworkers don't know that I preach don't know that I teach or don't know that I come and worship and I'm in ministry. I don't want to be so distracted in everything that I do that they're lost and not understanding that I'm a man of God. I found this this morning in my car. It sat there for over a month or whatever, however long it's been, about 24 days. I'd thrown the other two away. I thought I got them all. You know what's funny in this is a fork, like a nice metal fork. I stole three forks. I'm going to give this one back. <laughs> the other two I'll have to give a better tip. But it reminded me of a time where I let my guard down. Was there sin happening? No. No, I don't believe there was. In fact, in my family right now, I feel like my youngest son is beginning to hear from God. He'll begin to go up even to my mom or my, my wife, his mom, and, and make comments about, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about this because it makes me feel like this. Or as he rides next to a neighbor's house that just lost his wife over the winter, he'll drive by and he'll be like, Mommy, I want to I draw him a card. I really feel sad for Bob. He begins to draw a card. It's really a sweet card. And he said, well, I hope we can ride bikes together. Bob's an 86-year-old man. But he rides his bike all over the neighborhood, and it's the thing my boys love to do most. But if I don't start changing what happens in life, if I don't start taking out some of the distractions, some of the things that would just take away those moments, what have I got left? If I let my kids grow up on Nintendo and, and be the greatest Nintendo player ever, whatever the case might be, what did my family gain for the kingdom? Pick a sport, it goes the same way. Stand with me tonight. I don't know about you, but in my life, 
I have to make a difference. I'm not geared to just not make a difference. I'm good with whatever I'm, 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 I'm given to do, but I cannot stand being here as long as I've been here. When I think of who I brought to church and how their lives have been changed or whatever the case might be, it kills me. Because if I'm ever going to find myself in his will, I've got to be fully in his will. And i got to make sure I'm not distracted so much with work, so much with overtime or making money or a hobby, or mowing the lawn and making it look perfect. I can't be so distracted with, with the things of, of, of the world that I don't leave time for God to do something miraculous. This church has opened its arms even to things of recovery, really deep things that only God can change in people's lives. And if I'm going to be a part of what God is doing, I've got to be on board with every single part of it. It's I pray for you too. I pray for that whole row. You guys are doing a work of God. I pray for some of you that are in nursing homes, and I look at the fact that you care for elders, and I, I see when I look across this room, some of you that are able to even impact your own families and lives. God's looking for that. And in the midst of this world, in the midst of everything we're going through, he truly is saying like he did all those years ago with Paul, if it be anything of virtue, if there be any good, anything of a good report, Think on those things. Let it be done with prayer. Let it be done with supplication and with thanksgiving. That's where the peace of God can fill in your life. And once you have peace that passes all understanding, people can start asking, why are you different? I am one man in an entire sea. I have Zach there with me. I know he's not in here, I don't, I don't think. But me and Zach are the only ones on that job site that have a truth that I can see. But I'm watching God use Zach, and I'm watching God use me to the best of my abilities. All I want is to be used of him. Tonight, I wonder if you would just close your eyes. If you feel led to come to the front, I want to open these altars, and I want us to just maybe take a moment. It's not that sin has crept in. Maybe it has, but I'm not going after that. I feel like they're just a, a spirit of Og where there's a, just a, a lackadaisicalness about our lives. Maybe in this place you want to recommit yourself, your time, your efforts, your thoughts, your virtue. I wonder if you would step out and just find a place to pray for even just a moment. Find a place for God just to remove distractions and remove the chaos and put back in the things that you committed to him just a month ago. If you choose to stay in your seat, that's fine, but I wonder if we can just pray together. Lord, have your way tonight, Jesus. Lord, take away every distraction, God. Every time we try to get knowledge, Lord, it's not the same as wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom, God. You said if we'd ask it, you'd give it to us. Teach us, Lord, to pray for the right thing, God. Teach us to be aware. I don't want to live this life, Lord, confused or, or shielded from you, Jesus. That's it, God. Why don't we just pray to him? Let's take a moment and worship you. Have your way,
for most of us, we're here on Wednesday night. We love God. We're doing our best to serve the Lord. It's, it may not be the giant things in life that we're wrestling with. It may not be the, the big battles we're fighting. But what the scripture admonishes us to do is to pay attention to the little things. It's not the big things, it's the little things. It's the small things. I'll tell on myself, I was in my doctor's office a few weeks ago. And she was talking to me about something that comes up in every visit that we go to. It's not my gray hair. She usually says one thing. About a year or so ago, she put me on a blood pressure medicine, and she said, you know you don't have to be on this medicine. I said, well, then I don't want to be on it. She said, but in order for you to not be on this medicine, there's something you're going to have to do for yourself. So I go back in, and she reminds me again. And she said, I can kind of tell how you're built. She said, you want to do it all at one time. You want, to do, you want to go on a crash diet and you want to lose all your weight and gain all your health back and you're going to be great in 40 days. She said, but the honest truth is, Pastor, that's not how it's going to happen. She said, it's going to be one meal at a time. It's going to be one day at a time. It's going to be that one step. The same is true in our spiritual walk. We've got to pay attention to every little thing. Every... every you want to conquer the mountain? You know how you're going to do it one step at a time. You know how you're going to conquer the large things in your life one step at a time. You know how you're going to get out of debt one dollar at a time. We don't have to win the lottery and have somebody give us a million dollars. We can do it, but we're going to do it a dollar.